Pastor Benny Hinn invites you to join over 3 million Facebook users around the world who like Benny Hinn Ministries. Go to the ministry website and click the Facebook link. And if you follow Pastor Benny, you'll receive alerts when he is broadcasting live. Don't miss this opportunity to receive inspiring messages, scriptures, teachings, announcements, and Pastor Benny's live teachings on Facebook. Like and follow Benny Hinn Ministries today. must understand that nothing happens with God without having dinner with him. I repeat, nothing happens with God till we have dinner with him. Every promise in the Bible is activated during a meal. Example, God gave Abraham the promise that he would be the father of nations. In Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. No, no, don't write anything. Just listen to me. He had to wait 25 years till one day God shows up and has lunch with him. In Genesis 18. And then he said, Isaac will come a year from now. So all the promises were ignited through lunch. <laughs> Communion is dinner with God. We've lost the meaning of communion. Let me give you another one. Abimelech, the king of Gerar, has a problem with Isaac. In Genesis 26, he comes back and says, now let's make an agreement. Let's make a covenant. But the covenant was not ratified till they ate together. It says they ate together. Why? Because eating ignites the covenant. Then we see something else in the Bible. We see Jacob and Laban. Laban comes after Jacob when he left Laban's house. This is Genesis 31, by the way. And, they, and he's angry why he left, and he took his children, blah, 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 blah. And then they got, get into a little argument, and then they make an agreement, and they eat together. Why? Ignites the covenant. What did Jesus do before the cross? Have dinner. They had a meal. What did Jesus do after the resurrection? He had a meal. Ignite the covenant he just made. So Jesus has a meal before the cross and has a meal after the cross. When he showed up in the upper room, the first thing he says, do you have food here? He did not even say something like, mighty like I am that I am or, you know. All, all he said is, where's food? What does it say in Acts 10.41? Peter says that they, they had dinner with him often. They ate and drank with him often. Why? Because when you eat with God, you ignite the promise. We lost the power 
of communion because we don't do it properly. Jesus said, this is my body. He didn't say symbolic of my body. This is my blood. So we Pentecostals, we Charismatics, we who believe in the Spirit of God, believe that it's his body in spirit. It's his blood in spirit. It's not symbolic. Oh, I got your attention now. Now, sickness and disease are not from God because the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, Jesus went about doing good, healing all oppressed of the devil. So Jesus is in the healing business, not in the sickness business. Jesus came to calm the storm, not to cause the storm. So now you have to understand that disease is evil. Disease did not come from the Lord. Disease is the result of the fall of Adam. And we also must understand that Jesus is the will of God, the work of God, the action of God in human form. So if you want to know what God is like, look at what Jesus did. He did not have to say it. Just by doing it, he was saying it. So when Jesus healed the sick, then we know it's God's will to heal the sick because he did. So Jesus Christ is the will of God in action. He is the work of God in action. He is God in in human form and action. Healing came. The Bible makes it clear. When the cross is understood. So 2 Corinthians. I won't be long but you need to hear this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 10 and 11. We read something very, very powerful. It says this. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. When we identify with the cross, then our body will see the results. So, let's understand that sin is the cause of disease. That doesn't mean every time you sin, there'll be sickness. I mean, it came from the fall of man. When Adam fell, the result was death and disease. We're still having it now because of the fall of man. But let's also understand there is a promise, and the promise of God is quite simple, that through the cross, we are forgiven and healed. And the word of God says that once you begin to identify with the work of the cross, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now, we have to understand that whenever the cross was revealed, healing came. The first time the cross was revealed in the Bible was Exodus 12. In Exodus 12, they made the son of the cross by applying the blood on their doorposts and on the lintel which is on top. 
and ate the lamb. So they had communion in the old covenant. How? They ate the lamb, applied the blood on their homes. And the result was what? All were healed. They came out of Egypt a healed, healthy people because of having dinner with God. The next time we see miracles in the old covenant is found in Numbers chapter 16, verse 46 through verse 50. When the atonement was made, now you all remember what happened, of course, where Korah came against Moses. 250 were killed because of his rebellion. The whole nation now rises against Moses. And a plague starts in the camp. And Moses says, run through the camp with the atonement, meaning with the blood, meaning bring the cross into the camp. And when the cross, meaning the work of the cross, because it says they made an atonement, the, the minute the blood was applied, the minute the cross was revealed, it says the plague stopped. And by that time, 14,700 people had been killed. The plague began, and they ran through the crowd and stopped it with the work of Calvary. Now think about this, that that was only a shadow. In the Old Covenant, Exodus 12, a shadow. Numbers 16, a shadow. Numbers 21, a shadow. What was Numbers 21? When, when, when they began to murmur and so forth, snakes came and bit them. Many people died, and God said, okay, now put a pole and put a brazen snake on it. Symbolic of the work of Calvary, because Jesus became our sin, if you remember, and, uh, and the serpent is symbolic of sin. So when Jesus said to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent, meaning I will also be lifted and be sin for the world. As Moses lifted up the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Meaning that the cross, the work of Calvary, and God said to Moses, whoever looks will be healed. So when you look to the cross, you'll be healed. That was a type. Now here's what I want to say. If the type can heal, how much more the substance? They had the type. They had the shadow. We have the real thing. If they were all healed by a shadow, why are we not healed when we have the very substance of the shadow? A shadow is a shadow. There's my shadow in the lights. That's all they had, the shadow, all the types and shadows. We have the real thing. They were all healed. Exodus 12, Numbers 16, Numbers 21. David saw the cross when he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all within me bless his name, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your sickness. Why? Your sickness, because he saw the work of Calvary. Isaiah saw the work of Calvary and cried, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for iniquity, chastised for peace. With his stripes were healed. Now, we people don't understand the power of those words. But, but, but I want to I wanna say something here. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to what Isaiah said. Forgiveness and healings are twins. Forgiveness and healing are twins. Whenever God forgives, he always heals. 
Always. Because the psalm says he forgives you and heals you. Now why is it that we are willing to accept the message of salvation, but we fight the message of healing? Here's why. Because we know that we cannot be saved any other way but through accepting Jesus as Savior. So nobody will fight you on this because they know there's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. But why do we fight healing? Because we know there are other means to get it. If God doesn't heal me, I'll go see a doctor. I'll go take medication. I'll go for help here and there. Well, that's when you lose the blessings of God too. So the world and many in the church will not accept the message of healing because there's other ways to receive it. But no blessings attached to it whatsoever. Yet God offers forgiveness and healing together. He said to the men in Matthew 9, 6, your sin is forgiven, get up and walk. In James 5, any sick among you, come to the elders, anoint you with oil, and any sin will be forgiven altogether. Why? Because they're twins. Sin and disease are twins too. Now we have to understand what Isaiah said. So let's go back to Isaiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to read Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Now, that word griefs is found a hundred times in the Old Covenant. It's the Hebrew word choli, means infirmity, sickness. That's what the word means. So when you read, surely he hath borne our sorrows, that word griefs, surely he hath borne our griefs, that word griefs is sickness in Hebrew. Surely he hath borne our sickness, because it's the word choli. And choli, I repeat, means infirmities, sickness. Surely, surely, surely he hath borne. Surely he took upon himself. The word born is amasa, means to carry away, to bear it. Surely he hath borne or has carried. Another Translation says, take away. Like in John 1, 29, he, he came to take away. God came to take away your disease. If he came to take away, what are you doing? Keeping it. He came to bear, to carry our disease. Surely, surely, and I love that word surely. Surely means of a fact, of a truth. It's a vow. That word surely in the Hebrew says, Oath. Think about God making a vow when he says, surely he hath borne or carried our holy, our disease, our sickness. And our sorrows. So it's not about relief. It's about substitution. Do you not understand that when you get saved, you give your heart to God. And when you get healed, you have to give him your body. The reason many are not healed, they won't give him their body. Because he can only fix what you give him. That's it. 
Now, Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Well, let me just keep, keep reading. It says, Surely he hath borne our griefs, holy carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. Wounded. The Hebrew word, he was pierced for transgressions. The word bruised means crushed in Hebrew. Crushed for our iniquities. And then it says he was chastised or he was punished is the Hebrew word for our peace. So transgressions are the actual sins. Iniquities is the state of the heart of sin. And punishment means deliverance from the curse. I want to repeat that because you missed it. He was wounded wounded, and the word means pierced for our transgressions. A transgression is the act of sin. He was bruised or better crushed for our iniquities, which are the state of sin. One is the act, one is the state. One is the act, one is the reason for the act. And he was punished or chastised for our peace. Now, if you put... Why the peace? Because the curse brought the torment. The curse brought no peace. So Jesus was punished to break the curse. Now the Bible says in verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Wow. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why would it say that? It pleased the Lord to make him sick? And that's confirmed in Matthew 8, 17. Because many will argue, well, it has nothing to do with healing. Wait, wait, hold, hold. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastised for peace. And then verse 10 says it pleased the Lord to actually bruise him. And then you read Matthew 8. And, and what does he say in there? He says, when the even was come, they came and were all healed. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. That's Matthew 8, 16, 17. That it might be fulfilled by the prophet Isaiah. Saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now we know that what is spoken in Isaiah makes it quite positive in Matthew it was referring to the body alone. He was wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities, chastised for peace, has to do with our salvation, absolutely, but with his stripes we are healed. So now Jesus is healing all the sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, which I just read, because what was Jesus doing? Healing them all. It confirms then it dealt with the body. So he healed the people is what Matthew says. The reason Jesus healed the people is because Isaiah said he would. Now, by his wounds we are healed. It means, to, it means that, that that's additional to spiritual redemption. It means the redemption of the body also. Yeah, surely, surely. Why did he say surely? Because he was saying truth, the truth, the truth. It's an oath. God was putting his oath on it. 
And may I also say something? The word sorrow in Hebrew means pain. Surely he hath borne our sorrow, our pain. Not, not only grief, not only holy, but pain. So God didn't only come to receive our sickness. He came to take the pain that comes with it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are forever. You know, because of God's word, we know that. We know that he is steadfast. He's loving, unfailing love. The word mercy in the Bible is chesed. Unfailing love. It, you know, it doesn't mean sympathy. It means unfailing love, steadfast love, eternal love. Oh, how he loves you. When you receive his word, as you heard today his word, and you walk in it and begin to expect miracles daily in your life, the change will happen suddenly. Never question the promises of God. Jesus is the totality of every promise made to us. For the promises in him are yea and amen. Today, believe him. He is loving. His love is unfailing, steadfast, long-suffering love. Long-suffering means there's no end to his reach. Like Colin and Boom used to say, there's no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. No matter how deep the pit is, his hand can reach a whole lot deeper than that and pick you up. So trust him. He loves you. Father, in Jesus' name, we come in faith expecting. You'll touch every person, Lord. Reveal the riches of your word. Reveal the depth of your word to each one. The depth of your law and love and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, Lord, enrich your people with your word that they might walk in your promises. In the name of Jesus and receive miracles daily for your glory and God's people said amen. I want you to send me your prayer request. You can do it by email or send it to the address on the screen, okay? Because I'm in my prayer room and I want to pray for you when I pray. Oh, I've been, listen, I've been experiencing such amazing, powerful moments with the Lord lately and I don't want to miss praying for you, so please send me your prayer requests. You can do it by email to pastorbenny at bennyhin.org. So simple, pastorbenny at bennyhin.org or to the post office box on the screen right now there in Irving, Texas. So I can lay hands on it, okay? Because I love laying hands on your prayer request when you send it by letter. I also have a very special announcement for all you in ministry, but I want you to send an email to see what I'm talking about. I want to send you a special message, a special email. You in ministry, you can also send me the email to Pastor Benny at bennyhin.org and I'll send you what I'm talking about. I'm not going to tell you everything now. I'm going to wait till you send me the email, okay? You in ministry. But so is he today also. Believe God for your finances. Trust him. He will never fail you. Please watch this. This is your day for a miracle. Look who's with me, my dearest friend, <laughs> Marilyn Hickum, I have known for many years, and she wants to talk to you and pray with you. And I would just like to pray about your prosperity and sowing seed at this time, how important it is. So I know seed, when I've sown seed, that's when I get harvest, and I want you to have a big harvest. 
So, Father, I just pray for everyone who's looking at me right now. You will put in their heart the seed they should sow, but not just sowing seed, but expecting harvest. I ask this in Jesus' name. I thank you and I rebuke the enemy that would steal or devour anything from us. I believe our best days are ahead and our worst days are behind. So I'm going to ask you in Jesus' name to say goodbye, bad days. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Why is giving important biblically? Biblically, giving is important because if you want to harvest, and he teaches that, he did it himself, he gave his son and harvested us, it's a principle that is only going to bring blessing in your life. It's, I know when I first started to travel, I went to a church and they received an offering for my radio, just a little ministry, and they didn't give it to me. And they, I called them and they said, oh, we'll send it, we'll send it, but they never sent it. And so the Lord said to me, you know, if you give it, just give it to them in your heart, then you can have a harvest mm. because it's a gift. It's not something owed you. So I said, okay, Lord, I just sow that in them. That was the beginning of my radio ministry. I think that was a very important seed. So giving to me, it's the only way to have harvest and to reap. When people give to the Lord, you talked about expectation. Why is that so important to expect it? Because faith has to be involved. You know, faith pleases God. Everything we do, we get born again because of faith. You give in faith and expect in faith. Do we expect the harvest to come back? within a certain time, or is that up to God? I think that's up to God. You know, I would like to say time limits, but I haven't really seen that. And we sowed my husband's retirement. That was $300,000. And that, God said for me to do it, that he would take care of me. And my son-in-law said, I don't want you living in our basement. He was teasing me. But I sowed that seed, and that's when God opened my biggest doors. Why so many Christians today are in trouble financially? I because they don't, they don't sow. They don't sow in faith. They don't speak the word over it. They don't expect a harvest. I sow expecting, and I receive. Why do we speak the word? Why must we speak the word over it? Because the word is the faith part of it. And so when we speak the word, the word cannot return void. That's very important. Well, let's give that way. Listen, I've seen this work in my own life. And I'm glad that dear Marilyn said the same thing. Because when I have given to the Lord over the years, and I've learned much from Oral Roberts about oh, yeah. expectation, the harvest. Right. He said to me one day, he said, how many times did the Lord Jesus say give in Luke 6 through 8? I said, one time. He said, how many times did he say receive? I said, I don't know. He said, look at that again. Mm. And I could not see it till he showed it to me. It shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give to your bosom. Seven times the Lord focuses on the harvest. So I want to pray with Melon again yes. that God will give you a harvest. Father, in Jesus' name,
It's your power, Lord. Bless your people with a harvest as they sow today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, and God love you, and be looking for the harvest. It's on the way.